pure survival at its core is just keep eating, don't go near anything new, don't do anything different, stay near a heat source, you know, keep your shields up. So if you just sort of switch off mentally and let your system drive you, it's going to lead towards survival. That's what it's designed for. Your system isn't programmed for happiness, it's programmed for survival. So unless you make deliberate decisions towards your own fulfillment, you're not going to get there. Everybody wants to manifest a better life, but yet why do so many people live day to day in a state of survival, wishing for better life results and not actually creating it? This week on the Life Amplified podcast, we're talking to our old friend, Sarah Riley. She's going to give us the three key steps to move from wishing to manifesting. Welcome back. What is an amplified life? It's having amplified relationships with people who support and encourage you to be your best. It's having amplified energy to conquer the challenges of the day. And it's having an amplified career, one that's meaningful to you, the world, and your bank account. I'm Dan Mason, Life Reinvention Coach, helping you discover your calling and create an amplified life on your terms. This is the Life Amplified Podcast. We are back from a quick summer break and ready to serve. Hello and welcome to a new season of Life Amplified from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being here. And I could think of no better way to kick off this next season than with somebody who is a very dear friend in my life. She is a trusted colleague, somebody that I trust implicitly and bring her in as a guest teacher and uh, many of my group coaching programs and in my Amplified monthly membership, and somebody who I believe can speak to one of the biggest questions that I get on social media. You know, when people aren't asking me specifically about career transition, they talk a lot about this idea of manifesting. And, uh, you know, at least once a week, twice a week, I'll get an email or a DM from somebody saying, Dan, what does it mean when I'm doing the work And I'm actually manifesting the complete opposite of the things that I want. So I want to share with you just a place that I operate from in my life. And this is a foundation of what we believe in my coaching practice. You always get what you want. You always get what you want. The challenge is this when it comes to manifesting. Many times people do not own the things that they want. They're afraid to ask for more. Sometimes you're not fully telling yourself the truth about the things you want. And occasionally there is a part of you that believes that it is unsafe, that it is a threat either to your sense of safety or to your very identity to have the things that you want. So before we can create a vision board or start a visualization, we've got to get aligned internally so that you can move from a state of wishing and hoping into manifesting. This week, Sarah Riley is going to help us get there. She is an international performance coach for entrepreneurs, visionaries, and creatives. The foundation of her work lies in helping you unpack subconscious programming and rebuilding your desired identity to reach what previously seemed like unattainable levels of success. We have an awesome conversation here that I think you're going to get so much out of. Some of the topics we're going to cover are the difference between living at cause versus at fault in your life and how knowing the difference will help you take back your power and create more of the things you want. We'll talk about why self-sabotage is actually just a low-level way that your nervous system is trying to calibrate to safety. 
We'll discuss how our reality is influenced by the different characters we play in different parts of our lives. Sarah will explain why your emotional reactions to life tell you what you really believe about yourself. We'll talk about the biggest misperception about confidence and the number one way that you can create more of it within yourself, why hustle and hard work can only be as effective as your mindset, and how the advice of act as if can be misused and actually recreate an experience of struggle. Plus, if you stick around to the end of the podcast, Sarah and I are making a special invitation for a very limited number of Life Amplified podcast listeners to work with us one-on-one in a special two-day immersive coaching experience. We'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. But if you're loving this interview, could you do me a favor? Please share it with a friend. You can screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Be sure to tag me at CSC, Dan Mason, and you can tag Sarah at Sarah Riley Coaching. Don't forget, you can also give us a follow here on whichever podcast app that you're listening on. And if you're so moved to do it, we love those five-star ratings and reviews, and we'll gladly accept those. You are getting a crash course in manifesting the life you want this week on Life Amplified. Sarah Riley, live from lockdown in Sydney, Australia. Welcome back to Life Amplified. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Love this podcast. All the talk about manifesting today, and yet you haven't been able to manifest like just an open an open state of living <laughs> in your home city. How are you navigating the treachery of being at home all the time? It's bold of you to assume I didn't manifest the lockdown intentionally. Maybe I'm just a <laughs> massive homebody. You're like, why didn't you manifest an end to the lockdown? Maybe this is my big evil plan. No, um, I am surviving. Uh, to be honest, a little bit of cabin fever, but I am blessed to have good people around me and plenty to do with clients and work and stuff. So uh, feeling pretty grateful, actually, that I work online and that I'm self-employed. And so, you know, having been working on Zoom for many years before the pandemic means it wasn't too much of a change. I just lost the social aspect a little bit. But the cafe across the road from my new apartment does the world's best sandwiches. So again, very grateful. Yes. And by the way, a seminal moment here in Life Amplified, you were the first guest to appear three times. Congratulations. Amazing. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And um, we always get a really positive response when we have these chats. So I'm stoked to be here. So Sarah and I are business running buddies, and sometimes we put together offers together and we come up with some programs, but we were talking about something that happens a lot within both of our client rosters. And I think people will relate to this today, that there's this big idea among many people that, well, uh, you know, I'm working on manifesting this thing. The languaging is very work and laborious And I have to do all these things in order to manifest, which is you and I talk about privately. And I've talked about a little bit on this podcast in the past. That's not really the way it works, that manifesting is just the natural order of the universe. So do you want to explain why anybody who believes that they're in the process of manifesting, uh, why this podcast is going to give them some new insights and maybe some ahas and breakthroughs today? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the idea, like when we say I am manifesting, I mean, that's a bit of a misnomer and it's a bit redundant to say that because manifestation is actually just the name of the phenomenon that your world is a projection of your internal reality. It's just, it refers to the phenomenon that you are impacting the atomic activity around you and then filtering it via your neural connections. So it's like to say I'm manifesting is redundant. I think what people are trying to say is that I'm in, I'm attempting to intentionally steer the manifestation somewhere I want it now in this current adult rational brain, right, as opposed to the automatic subconscious re-representation of my old wants and desires, right? Like your whole reality is a reflection of your identity. So you're manifesting 24 hours a day. It's not something that you can switch off. It's just that the vast majority are unconscious, subconscious. It's, you know, your old wants and needs. So your reality is reflecting what you sort of at your base level want or and or can tolerate, um, but I think the reason today's podcast is going to be really valuable for people is that we've, I've seen a bit of a phenomenon where people say that they're manifesting things, but what they're really doing is deciding on things, wishing for things, um, thinking about things that might be nicer or worse. They're sort of lamenting the lack of things. And this, there's a big difference between wishing and manifesting. Manifesting is actually conscious, intentional, directed manifesting is actually more tangible than I think people realize. And we're going to talk about some nuance in that today that I think will be really, really beneficial to help people understand because it can be a very vague and esoteric kind of topic. I want to go backwards before we move forwards because <clears throat> you said something that I think is important in, in terms of everything that is happening internally in our mind <clears throat> is what's being projected outwards. There is this mm -hmm. idea that manifesting is only the process that occurs when I'm getting all the cool things that I want in my life. When I have <laughs> the money in the account, when I have the dream relationship, when everything in the world uh, externally is meeting my expectations. Yet, when we don't have the money in the bank, or when we don't have the dream job, or when our kids or our partner are you know, being a pain in the ass, we don't believe that that's a manifestation. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, we're very much in a place of blame. You know, well, mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with me. If, if my company appreciated me, I'd make more money. So yeah. let's just go back for a second because that's so important. <clears throat> manifestation is everything, both the things that you believe that you're working toward, but more specifically, what's in your life right now, desirable or not. Yeah. And I mean, we're getting into dangerous territory with this because this is the kind of, this is the polarizing and more as triggering aspect of manifestation, right? Because I think this what steers people away from really going for their dreams is that if they admit to having some level of influence or control over their reality, then there's a misperception there that they will be blamed for anything bad that happened, right? And this is where what's important is that we understand the difference between at cause and at fault, my most common example for this that um, all of my clients have heard is the idea that if I invited you to come stay at my house and while you were asleep, you stepped on my laptop and you broke it, right? It's true, to, like you were sleepwalking, just to be clear. It's true that you are at cause for my broken laptop. It was your foot that went through it, right? But it wouldn't be fair to say that you're at fault because you were unconscious when it happened. And I like this analogy because this is what's important to remember. It's almost impossible for us to take the judgment and the blame out of something but if we can learn that we are at cause without always necessarily being at fault, I feel like it really gives us our power back. I mean, it can be really confronting to look at the stuff that happened in your life and be like, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that. 
But if we remember that our reality is a reflection of our internal reality and it doesn't, it, like that concept is neutral. That concept doesn't actually hold good or bad or anything that you would want to be judged or blamed for. I truly believe it puts us back in a really empowered situation. I mean, I personally have been through a lot. Like I've talked on podcasts before about um, the abuse that I suffered and I don't feel that I am at all to blame for that abuse but I can still hold and recognize the influence that I have on my reality now because I don't, like we're not responsible for the stuff that comes out subconsciously, right? But we can absolutely take responsibility for the stuff that we are consciously choosing now. And personally, that's, you know, that's given me back my power in a myriad of ways. I think you'll have some specific examples because somebody right now is listening to this so in resistance to the idea. Well, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, Sarah, screw you. I didn't mm -hmm. choose. I, <laughs> of course, I didn't choose to be broke. I didn't choose to have my partner betray me or yeah. cheat on me. Yeah. So in as loving and in gentle of a way as we can to maybe give a practical example of this idea of not blaming yourself, but also accepting responsibility for your role. Could you talk about that? Maybe a time you've worked with a client and there was an aha moment around this? Yeah, I, I'm so flattered that you would invite me on and then ask me for the loving and gentle um, perspective because that's not, re <laughs> that's not really what I'm known for. I'm known for like piercing truth and like and powerful insight. But yeah, I mean, bless you for thinking that I could bring that option as well. Yeah, I'm sorry, it, I, I, I thought I could manifest a different, a different <laughs> view for this interview. A different <laughs> version, yes. No, I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. How do we want to come at this? Look, your example there was really sterling when you say, well, it's, I didn't choose to be broke. I want to sort of like turn that example on its head a little bit because no one would choose consciously to be a thing that in truth is hurting them in some way. But the way I'd, I'd want to look at it is, okay, you didn't choose to be broke, but can your nervous system hold great wealth? right? Do you have the reference files, the comfort level, the training, and all of the acceptance that goes along with having that? Because many of us grew up um, not wealthy, not wealthy at all. And what was implied through our relationships with our parents and the people that we want to maintain approval with is that, you know, there may not have even been actual merit applied to being poor, but a lot of the time there was some real evil connotations around wealth. I mean, we grew up, like, think about Disney even. You know, Ebenezer Scrooge. The good people were the ones who were struggling and the wealthy people were cold and alone and selfish and had to be confronted with ghosts to make them do the right thing, right? Like, it's in our culture. And it was certainly in, in the house I grew up in, wealthy people were, to a certain extent, demonized. I mean, of course, the goal is to go after and get money. But if wealthy people are not loved and accepted for their wealth in your, in your tribe, in your household, in your mm. community, then your system is not going to go for that naturally because it perceives that that will cost you the connection. So it's not as simple as I, I wouldn't choose to be broke. No, it's your nervous system will choose whatever reality gives you the best shot at maintaining connection because connection is directly related to survival. So if we can sort of turn some of these examples on their head, it can be a little bit easier for someone to digest. I mean, like your other example, I didn't choose to be betrayed. No, but do you like what's your self image? I mean, what's the self-image you're projecting? Do you know of yourself as someone who is infinitely loved, supported, guided? Do you know of people as wonderful, caring, right? Like your reality will reflect what you know because that's what your neurological filters are filtering by. 
So it's not that you chose to be betrayed, but if you can if you can look at it from the perspective of, well, what must I have believed up until now that my reality would be playing out this way? It can be a little bit more palatable. I think of an example in my group coaching program in the monthly membership with somebody who's talking on one hand consciously about wanting to find an available man yet her experience on the dating apps, she would go back to the story of, well, everybody's out to lie to you. Everybody right. just wants one thing. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. that is the reality that always has to win out. Your vibration will always win out, whether it's a high vibration or coming from a place of scarcity or a lower frequency. But yeah. it's always going to win at the end of the day. Yeah, and if, if we look at it more as calibrating than self-sabotaging, it starts to make a lot more sense because most people would say, oh, I, I had something really amazing with this person and then I self-sabotaged, right? But you didn't, I mean, I, people are starting to wake up to the idea that nobody gets up in the morning and wants to mess up all their chances at what they want, right? So self-sabotage is also a bit of a misnomer. But if you look at it through the lens of calibration, it starts to make sense. If you know that people are untrustworthy and you have to do everything yourself and you can't rely on people and you are ultimately, if you have that perception of yourself as alone, then of course you would take action to regenerate that reality. When someone comes in and they're trying to be loving and supportive and kind, and it looks like they're actually not going to leave you, you're probably going to do something to mess that up, not because you're trying to hurt yourself, but because your system is still following that set of rules for reality and it's trying to calibrate back to that because it mistakenly believes that that's your way to safety. And this really leads us into the first point. And when we get into these three components, to move from wishing to manifesting, and that is your identity. And I think a lot of people hear that word and they they get it from a dictionary standpoint. Mm -hmm. They know what it means. They might know the definition, but from a personal development standpoint, they don't really understand uh, mm -hmm. what we're talking about. So how could you boil that down into a simple way uh, when we're talking about this idea of manifesting, how our identity plays into this. Yeah, it. Um, I'm reminded of the fish joke. You know, the um, the other sea creature swims up to the fish and he says, isn't the water lovely today? And the fish says, what's water, right? Like if, if it's something that's such a default setting, such an assumption, it's so deeply buried in our subconscious, we're not even aware of it. And for most people, I, I don't think most people are aware that their personality is not a fixed thing, right? Science doesn't support the idea of a personality as a fixed constant because humans are such incredibly adaptive creatures. Right. So when people then say to you, oh, OK, well, your reality is a reflection of your identity, you're like, but that's just who I am. And that doesn't make any sense unless I have the context of my personality being something I've chosen and the fact that I have many different ones and the fact that I am a naturally adaptive creature who will generate whichever ones I need. Right. Like I, I created versions of myself as a child in order to please my parents. I'm a different person at home alone versus when I'm with people I don't know versus with people I know very well versus people I'm intimately connected with versus people I want to respect me professionally, right? We have, these are egoic layers, costumes, characters that we play. So if you recognize that your reality is, is being influenced by the character that you're playing and that your neurological filters are filtering based on the rules and beliefs of the identity you're running and you start to think of your personality as more like a gaming cartridge, right? You're the game, you're not the PlayStation, right? Then you can recognize, oh, okay, well, yeah, when I was being someone that was very focused on everything that could hurt me and I was being very fearful and I was being very, you know, very focused and pouring tons of psychic energy into this idea that I'm in danger. Yeah, there were a lot more things in my life that I had to protect myself from. 
in the same way that when I am hyper-focused on scarcity, I never seem to be able to get my bank balance up. And this is why Joe Dispenza talks about the idea that if you cannot think beyond that initial emotional reaction, if you can't get beyond your limbic system there and choose, then you're always going to be stuck in that loop. You know, I just did a coaching call yesterday with somebody who, you know, one of her goals was to lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. And she had lost 50 probably over the course of the last year, just gained and lost the same 10 over and over. Mm -hmm. But eventually she dropped the weight, it would go right back up. And the mm -hmm. identity that she was living in, you probably yeah. heard this as well. Mm -hmm. I just have a sweet tooth. I love junk food. And there's that dissonance yeah. between I want to be healthy. I wish I were healthy, but how I perceive myself, I believe my personality is that someone who loves junk food. And, you know, within 30 minutes, we got to the core of what was going on. Growing up as yeah. a child, if she felt unsafe, she would run to her father who didn't mm -hmm. know how to create an emotionally safe environment for a child mm -hmm. to process difficult feelings. So he would just give her junk food. Oh yeah, Kyle Cease tells a similar story about how he would go to the donut shop with his mother. And so whenever he was feeling like he needed connection, he would experience a sugar craving because his system was going for the donuts that it associated with the special time with a loved one. Yeah, so you know, in there, there's this uh, a perceived identity because that's what we're really talking about. Your, the identity that you think you have is probably not who you are at a spiritual level unless mm -hmm. you've done a lot of internal work. But the stories are what's holding you back, but those are simply reactions and coping mechanisms to mm -hmm. old trauma and unmet needs. Yeah, if you, if you start to look at it through the lens of, well, if my body is just following the rules that I give it, then I have the option to change the rules. And also this allows us to get outside of this old misperception that we're being betrayed by our body in some way. I think most women have felt extremely frustrated that they feel like they're doing all of the work for, to, for example, lose weight and their body is not complying. It's not playing the game. It's not getting on board with them, you know, and we can get this sense of betrayal, which sort of, as you can imagine, really compounds the issue. But when we start to look at it like, well, actually, my body is just following the rules that I've set for it. And unfortunately, or fortunately, the rules that I set were at a previous time in my life where my, my outcome was different. So I like to say there's nothing wrong with people. They're not broken. It's just that the system is adapted to a different set of rules and a different outcome. And if your environment's changed or if you've personally changed the goalposts, e.g. you want to be smaller, you want to be fitter then you got to like change the rules and then give your body a little bit of time to adapt to the new rules. It will do it. I mean, it adapted to the old rules. So it's actually the fact that it follows your old rules. If you know of yourself as someone who has weight to lose, it's not surprising that your body, whenever you lose it, puts it back on because it's just trying to calibrate to your understanding of yourself. You're someone who needs to lose 10 pounds, for example. Well, you can't be someone who needs to lose 10 pounds and be someone who's lost the 10 pounds at the same time. So you've got to pick an identity here. And the same holds true for money, which is why mm -hmm. most lottery winners are broke within three to yep. five years. The number in the bank account change, but you still believe that you are a person who is poor or struggles with money. Yeah. So all roads kind of lead back to who you are at the identity level. Yeah, so, this one was a really Sarah. powerful example for me on the on the money one because when I learned that 90% of lotto winners are, are poor again, because when I started really researching that, it was a case of, okay, so if your identity is as a person who struggles financially, then actually that money is a huge threat to that identity. And I don't think people understand the impact of that. Your identity is constructed of all of your coping strategies and all the things you have learned to do that your system thinks you need to do to stay alive. 
So it's a question of motivation. You want more money because you want to go do more fun things, but your system believes that if you if you sacrifice this identity, you could die, right? And then it sort of it's like the difference between foxes and rabbits, right? The, the the rabbit can run away from the fox even though the fox has a greater land speed because the rabbit has a higher motivation. The rabbit is running for its life. The fox is just running for a meal, right? Your subconscious truly believes that you need to keep doing this stuff or you might die. You're just trying to do stuff that you think will be fun and a bit more relaxing. Like the, the motivation the conflict there is, is insane. So now that we've thoroughly bummed everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It always starts off so depressing. You're like, listen, this is how bad it really is. But for the but... six people who haven't already <laughs> given up and punched out on the podcast, let's sort of refocus the conversation where yeah. do we move? Because, but this is really important because there can be no transformation where there isn't awareness. And yeah. something that I've been talking a lot about in my group coaching program is, you know, we know in quantum physics that all matter, you know, just sort of exists, that all the atoms that make up matter just exist as waves of mathematical probability. It's only when atoms are observed that they start to behave differently. They mm -hmm. actually behave according to the judgments and the preconceptions of the observer. Mm -hmm. So this is what we've learned from quantum physics level. So, it, it, but the why that applies here is simply understanding your patterns or understanding mm -hmm. the stories that you've told yourself that are in conflict with the results that you want is enough to start to shift the energy around the pattern. So yeah. that's why we sort of start out here, I mean, it might sound like a downer to start, but it gets better. Yeah, I mean, you can't make a change unless you know where you are to start with. Because if you didn't know where you were to start with, you wouldn't be able to tell if you liked it or not, or if it was working for you or not. So understanding, like the like starting to really identify, well, who do I think I am? Like, how would I describe myself? Like, if I was introducing myself to a new person, what sort of things do I typically fall back on? You'd be surprised how many of them are really unhelpful. Like, you know, people will say things like, well, I'm just, I'm very shy and I can't do conflict and I'm not good at this and stuff like that. These are all stories. And, you know, they're so, I don't want to say wired in because thanks to neuroplasticity, nothing is permanently wired in, but we've repeated them so often that we have such a strong connection for them that they feel so true to us. And because our system is so heavily invested in maintaining that identity, that glob of coping strategies, we actually experience quite a bit of discomfort when we're asked to acknowledge that it's effectively a story we've been telling for a long time, right? Like the system has, you know, stakes in this. It has skin in the game. It doesn't want you to get let go of this. And so you're going to feel a bit of discomfort, some cognitive dissonance, you know, the psychological pain of conflicting information. You're going to feel that. And the more you can just resign yourself to the fact that this is going to be a bit uncomfortable at the start, the more progress you can make. I always say people's progress speed depends on the amount of discomfort they can tolerate in a shorter space of time. So once we move out of this idea of building awareness around our identity and where mm -hmm. that might be out of alignment, mm -hmm. then we have to get into talking about reactions. That's the second point. Mm -hmm. Explain. What do we mean by that? Reactions are super important when I'm doing any type of manifestation training because to be honest, they out you. Your reactions really belie what you said you believe, right? Like I have people who are saying that I, you know, I've been manifesting this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, but the last time I was with you, when you opened up that bill, you like, you got all panicky and you were super like freaked out, right? Like your reaction to something tells us what you really believe. 
right? Like I remember when I decided first for myself to change my money story, I didn't go with any like really fancy affirmations because words like abundance don't have any real meaning to me. I'm from quite a low socioeconomic area and, you know, the just big words associated with wealth just don't, they have no resonance in my system. And so when I first decided to change my money story, it was as simple as my business does five figures a month and it's not related to how many hours I work. That was basically it. And then the evening after I had my big breakthrough moment about what I'd been doing and how I'd been living and all the rest of it, and it was, you know, it was all very dramatic. The very next morning, the first, I would sit down to my laptop with my cup of coffee and the very first email I opened was a credit card bill. And of course the, you know, the pain starts coming up through my chest and all the anxiety starts and the thoughts about, oh my God, what are we going to do? Start. And I actually had to just push the laptop back and I'm like, no, no, yesterday we made a decision. We're not being that person anymore. Right, So I could feel my system wanting to recalibrate and divert back to the old scarcity mindset. And I just had to be like, no, we're not doing that. So I'm going to do my breathing exercises. I'm going to do my, you know, my anti-anxiety exercises. I'm going to wait until this sort of like dumb, you know, sort of dulls down. And I honestly had to sit there with, I pushed the laptop back. I pushed myself back on the couch. I crossed my legs. I did my, my exercises to calm myself down. And then I was like, okay, what we decided was that the business does five figures a month every month and it's not related to how many hours I work. So if I remembered that I now know at least 10,000 is coming in before the end of the month, would I still care about this credit card bill? No, I would make the minimum payment, whatever I can make, whatever's comfortable for me to make, and then I would forget about it. Great, that's the new identity, that's who I'm being. We gotta prove that I'm actually being this because your nervous system is so smart, man. It knows when you're lying. And if you do your 10 minutes of affirmations in the morning, but the rest of the day you're reacting as though the world is ending, it knows what you really believe. So the reactions are critical. The reactions are the first thing that absolutely drops you in it. And it's funny because we teach this for a living and yet mm -hmm. each new level for us as we step into expansion requires us to go back and yep. Sort of look at what's in the way. One of the things that I've talked about on this podcast for a couple of years, you know, I remember talking to my friend Carissa Jones. I guess that would have been in in 2019, and I was talking about this idea of wanting to build a television brand here in the United States, of just being a go-to expert who was in demand, who was getting booked on on these big TV shows, you know, Doctor Oz, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, things like that. And even though I consciously wanted that, I had so many stories that were just roadblocks to getting there. I was like, yeah. well, I'm not a big enough name. I only have 1,900 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I need to have a seven-figure business instead of a six-figure business. You know, like all these things that were just like, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And there was, not, there was no TV really happening during that time. I'd book a couple things here locally in Southern California, but I wasn't getting any of the other stuff. And in 2020, I did zero television. <laughs> Nothing was happening until I had to go change my identity and had mm -hmm. to remind myself, no, of course, you have a story to share. You have a gift that can help people. You can take really high-level concepts and explain it in a way where anybody can get it. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're in demand, which I was able to will myself into getting a huge, uh, a huge opportunity in the city of Chicago, a big morning TV show, yeah. did the interview, crushed it, hit it out of the park. I'm like, home free. This is it. Right. Mm -hmm. Until the next six weeks, nobody responded to any of my pitches that I was working on with my publicist, mm -hmm. which sent me right back to, well, I'm just like the vanilla ice of TV yeah. guest. I had like one good moment. You know, I had my ice ice baby. Now it's all over. 
Yeah. And I thought that that was it. And sure enough, once I course corrected and had to go back and just remind myself, no, this is how we operate. I booked a major national daytime TV talk show, one of the three highest rated. And mm -hmm. it's just been this. Now I have TV pr uh, producers reaching out and asking me to be a guest. I'm not even really pitching that hard. Yeah. But it was changing at the level of identity and really managing those reactions when it wasn't happening on my timetable or it wasn't the things that I was aggressively pursuing. Yeah, I think you've hit on a really important point there. I think some people wonder why coaches charge in packages as opposed to individual sessions, and this is precisely why, right? Like in, in the coaching session, yeah, you'll have the breakthrough, you'll have the epiphany, you'll have the cathartic release, and you know all the things I sort of clump together as the theatrics of coaching, it's all wonderful. But ultimately, where you actually cement that new wiring is in between the sessions when you're choosing differently, taking different actions, Actions. And in the moment when it is the most difficult, that's when you do the other thing. Like when you were the most stressed about the fact that you hadn't booked any any TV and you didn't, you know, maybe your income was reflecting that. That was that moment where you had to do the hard thing and think and feel beyond your initial panicked reaction, right? Because in that moment, you got to find out what you really believed, right? You thought after that first one, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm home free. But then your reality showed you, well, actually, just because I get a break doesn't mean I'm home free. Right. Yeah. Like that's it. It showed you where you were. And like you said, you course corrected. You're like, no, 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 I, I got this. And I've done the same thing. And it like it works beautifully. I mean, physics. I just said physics works beautifully. That's what a redundant thing to say. <laughs> but like it, do, it does work beautifully. Like I've found that because my system knows that I my business always does minimum five figures a month. If I have a week where three weeks go by and none of my client payments are due or anything like that, it course corrects on its own because I have that baseline identity. I'll do like a massive amount the following month or the previous month. And it basically just all balances itself out. One of the other things before we move on to the third point is we talk about this idea of reactions. How much does the self-judgment of comparing yourself to other people completely F this up for people? I know that was a challenge mm -hmm. for me. I had spent a bunch of money. I was in this pu uh, publicity coaching program earlier this year. And I had one of the big, you know, I was one of the first to land like a major TV spot. Then mm -hmm. nothing happened for six weeks and I'm watching everyone else, you yeah. know, get in Forbes magazine or somebody who ended up in like 60 minutes or like one of those. And I'm like, well, there it is. It's yeah. not for me. Everybody else gets it, not me. But yeah. it was really based in that idea of comparison. Mm -hmm. How do we shift out of that? Because I think that that's another one that just reinforces when we see other people who have the thing that we want, it can send us back into the stories of why I'm not enough to have it. For me, my answer for that is that the ego, the voice in your head is going to use whatever works on you. If comparison absolutely like just forces you back into that shame spiral, if it, if it helps you calibrate back to your old identity and your old beliefs the fastest, then that's what it's going to use. Some people's egos like center on fear. Some people's egos center on shaming and, and self-flagellation. Some of them center on comparison. It's going to use whatever worked. The thing is, the ego, these egoic layers are super smart because they have access to all of your memories and all of your pain points and it's all happening within you, right? So if, if your ego knew that, well, if I say to her, if she goes for her dreams, tigers will leap out of the wardrobe and devour her immediately, right? It knows that's not going to work on me. I don't believe for a second that that would happen. So I would rush towards all of the new stuff. And the ego's mm. only method of, of keeping you stuck is to 
you know, it, it, its only method of quote unquote protecting you is keeping you stuck on the programs that haven't killed you up until now. But that's not people's life standard, right? You don't just want to do stuff where you don't die. You want to do amazing stuff. So it knows that. And for the people that suffer from comparison, your ego has learned that it works on you. So if that's the first thing that pops up, if, you know, they're doing better, it happens for everybody else. Look how easy it is for them. You'll never be at their level. The bottom line is you've trained your system that this is a method that will work on you. And so the way to get around it is one of your favorite things to teach on disconfirming experiences is to hear it, recognize it, and do the opposite anyway to train your system that actually you're not going to die if you move forward. And also simultaneously that this particular threat is no longer going to work on you. Yeah. And that is actually a beautiful point to lead us here into the third element of moving from wishing to manifesting. We've talked about recognizing what your identity is at the subconscious level. We've talked about managing your reactions. Mm -hmm. But as we talk about creating disconfirming experiences, it's really about the third step, which is action. Talk to me about that. Chat me up. Well, the, the, the difference between the version of you that has everything they want and you now is that that version of you is making different decisions and taking different actions. They're doing the things that generate all the stuff that you want, right? Like you're making the decisions for yourself based on what you believe, but that version of you clearly believes different things because they're, making, they're, they're doing different things. People will often say, oh, I'm not going to get a coach yet because I, I know what I have to do. You know, I'll do the mindset work later. I know what I have to do. But truly, the decisions that you make, you're making them from the information that you have. And the information that you have is limited by your filters, which is limited by who you think you are and what you currently believe. So until you sort of expand those parameters and still you, until you widen that smorgasbord, you're limited to choosing only those few options, items, etc. Biggest BS story that I know that I come across, I probably use this in the past when <laughs> I'm not getting there and I know a lot of clients use it. I don't feel ready. They believe that, <laughs> right? They believe that there, there's going to be a magic day yeah, when the sun nah. is shining and <laughs> the angels come down from the sky blowing on a trumpet, yeah. rolling out a red carpet for you to move in the direction of your dreams and you are going to feel so at peace and inspired and aligned and there's going to be no fear when you move forward but mm -hmm. it's that idea of it, that you can be ready without feeling like you're ready yeah how do yeah. we bridge that gap into action when we're paralyzed yeah this comes down to training in terms of understanding your nervous system and what it feels like to actually live as opposed to exist your soul is housed in a threat detector that gets set off anytime you introduce something that does not have a pre-existing reference file so you have got to first of all just resign yourself to the fact that you're going to feel discomfort when you move because you are supposed to actual living you feel that right we've been so trained towards comfort and really comfort is just a form of numbness. If you're saying that I am not going to move until it doesn't hurt to move, it, or it, you know, I don't feel the butterflies or the nausea or the shaking hands or the or the the, the doubt or the imposter syndrome, you're basically saying I'm not going to move. Like that won't happen. Like I said, you're encased in a threat detector. Anytime you do anything different, you will set it off. So the idea is to start to learn. Okay. Like this is why I run a group program and one of the modules is Secrets of the Empowered Nervous System. And the whole reason I teach this is that if you want to change things in your life, you're going to feel it. The idea that, you know, there's, there's a bit in the personal development world about this idea that everything should be tiptoeing through the tulips, right? Like it's supposed to be you're running in a, in a field full of sunflowers if you're doing the right thing. And love that is, and light, Sarah. Oh love my God. and light. 
I have a t-shirt that says F your love and light and I wear it to coaching calls from time to time and it was it was a very easy purchase for me to be honest this t-shirt you can get them at threadsoffate.com by the way if you're into it I'm not paid for that shout out I just love their stuff but anyway um, it's you're going to feel it actual living you can feel it you're supposed to feel your nervous system you are in a body but we have so many dead zones and this this driver for numbness because the system is like like pure survival at its core is just keep eating, don't go near anything new, don't do anything different, stay near a heat source, you know, keep your shields up. So if you just sort of switch off mentally and let your system drive you, it's going to lead towards survival. That's what it's designed for. Your system isn't programmed for happiness. It's programmed for survival. So unless you make deliberate decisions towards your own fulfillment, you're not going to get there, right? Also, I just want to take two seconds to say a word on confidence because people say I'll do something in the same vein, when I feel more confident, the sensation of confidence in the body is literally your, the product of your brain asking itself two questions. Have we done this before and did it go well, right? If you don't get a yes for both of those, you will not register the sensation of confidence. So the idea that you can't do a new thing until you feel confident is ridiculous. You will feel confident because you did it so many times and you didn't die. That's basically it. I mean, when I, when I took up snowboarding, I had some horrific crashes. I have compacted my spine so loudly and so badly that I heard it through my padded helmet. And like, I, like I've done the scorpion, you know, when your feet come over the back of your head and you like mm -hmm. hit yourself in the head with your own snowboard. I have had some horrific accidents. And after those accidents, my body knew you got a good chance of dying doing this sport because you're not good at it, right? And so for like three months, every time I got on the chairlift every morning, like deliberately training my system that this was going to be okay, I was sick as a dog on the chairlift every morning. I, would, I couldn't even talk. I was dating someone at the time. We'd go snowboarding together. We'd be sitting on the chairlift. He'd be all chirpy and excited because he loved snowboarding because he was good at it. And I would just be hanging over the armrest, just trying not to vomit through my, like the windshield on my face. Like I was just like, because my system was like, we might die. I bought the world's uh, slowest, most tech-free snowboard and deliberately came down the mountain as slow as possible to completely like destroy the op option for a major crash for several months to make my system learn that we weren't going to die doing this. And that's like, I'm not saying that all of the changes will always take you three months. I mean, it took me three months because I, I seriously probably could have died from some of these crashes and it was a major trauma. But bottom line is your system is going to feel confident about something if you prove to it that it won't kill you. So if you haven't done the thing before, the idea that you won't start until you already feel the confidence is a personal soapbox topic of mine. You've got to put that whole idea in the bin. Otherwise, you're just not going to make change. Thanks the for coming system, to my TED Talk. Yeah, the nervous system <laughs> is show, not tell, right? Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the same with wiring, right? Like you get your wiring through proving you believe something. And what proves that you believe something is the action. That's why it's the third topic for us today is that we know what you really believe by what you do. If you say you want a loving relationship, but you don't do the work to participate in it, we know what you really want. Devil's advocate. Go because for it. I always like to think of this from the perspective of the, of the cynic listening mm -hmm. today or the mm -hmm. person who is doing the best with what they know, Yeah, but it's still not are. working for them. There is somebody listening today mm -hmm. who is saying, but I've done the actions. I've tried to put myself out there to launch a business. I have applied to 37 jobs this month, Dan and Sarah. Uh, I have been on all the dating apps and I am putting myself out there. Yet I, here I am hanging out with my cat 
eating Ben and Jerry's on a Friday night. Because the action, I think a lot of people start with the actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without yeah. addressing the other two points that we talked about. And this really is, its I mean, it's not like these principles are independent of each other and stand on their own. It really is mm-hmm. a flow and a process, right? Yes, and they're in order. And I'm so glad you brought this up um, because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about is, is how this action is like co-opted by the ego, right? I've had clients say that to me as well. Like they're like, I'm in a job and I want to start my own business. But the last time I quit my job to start my own business, I didn't get any, any clients. And then I had to come back to my job with my tail between my legs. And now I'm too scared to do it. And I'm like, yes, this is what happens when you take action from the old identity. Your reality, like nothing's stronger than that projection, right? The environment bends to the identity, which is why shifting the identity and learning about your coding and your programming first is absolutely critical. If you go and if you say, like people who say, I put myself out there and I, I you know, I, I tried dating and it was just, you know, and, and let me guess, it followed all of your pre-existing beliefs. Huh, how, how predictable, right? Like if you go into the dating world from the idea that I'm not good enough, that men are trash, that women are crazy, that whatever, like your experience of reality is going to bend to your programming because it must, not just because you're influencing the atomic activity around you and therefore the only people coming into your orbit are people that fit your story, but your neurological filters are filtering out anyone who doesn't fit your story. Out of all the billions of bits of data surrounding you at any given time, it's got to filter it down to an amount you can handle. And when I say the stuff you can handle, it's not just the volume. It's like your system won't introduce information that conflicts with your programming because it believes that that's a threat to you. So basically, if you don't shift the coding first, you're taking all of that program into the environment. And of course, the environment, of course, the reality is conforming to your stories. So I would never recommend someone quit their job before changing their coding around how they get money. If you know that you only get money from a job, don't drop the job until you've changed that belief because what happened, What will happen is the reality will conform to it and basically you drop the job and your income will drop. If you recognize that actually money doesn't come through a job, that's just the only conduit you've been prepared to accept up until now, then when you drop that particular conduit, the money will come from somewhere else. But your nervous system is controlling like how much you can hold and, and what you can hold and everything will conform to that reality. So your point is so valid. People start with the action and I don't recommend starting with the action. I recommend taking a really bird's eye view and a bit of a philosophical perspective to, okay, if my reality has panned out this way so far, what is the programming that's controlling that? And that's why you want to dig deep into the coding first and find out what are the rules that my reality is actually conforming with. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think about where I damn near bankrupted myself when I left corporate to start my business is I I was working from a model of reality that said I can outwork everybody else. I, no, seriously, I mean, that was sort of like what I got from my dad growing up is you got to work hard. You got to work hard. I had two jobs when I was 16 years old, you know, in addition to going to high school, I would just like literally leave class at like 3 p.m. on a Friday, bag groceries till 9 p.m., then go drive to some job where I was working midnight to 6 a.m. Like it was obscene for a 16-year-old, but I got so much praise and my family was proud of me and I got money for it. And it was sort of cool because one of my jobs was on the radio. So that looked cool to my friends. And I brought that belief system into launching a business. And I had not addressed any of the reasons that I felt 
like an, like I had not addressed any of the internal work, right? There was still part of me that wanted to hide, that didn't really know if I, like, who am I to want to help people? But I invested all this money into marketing coaches and people who would help me build the right, like, sales funnels and learn Facebook ads and write the right copy. And I did all those things. I spent, like, $15,000 in Facebook ads and marketing copy and didn't get one client. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so many coaches say that exact same thing. They're like, I'm, I'm spending 12 hours a day at my laptop. Because if you come from the employment world, then you are like, if you if you come from a nine to five, to a certain extent, you are being paid for simply your presence and sitting at the computer, right? Everybody knows, like the studies are extensive. No one doing eight hours a day, nine, a, a traditional nine to five is actually working eight hours a day. The average is about three, right? But what you're, but you're paid eight hours a day because you showed up eight hours a day, regardless of what you're doing. And when you're self-employed, the model is completely different. No one's supervising you. No one's checking on you. You're at home with your computer. And actually the only stuff that's going to work is the stuff that moves the needle. But people will be showing up for eight hours or 12 hours sometimes. It's like so many people say I went self-employed because I wanted to stop doing so much crap I didn't care about. And I'm doing way more stuff now. I work, they say I work harder for myself than I ever did for an employer. And I'm like, okay, but are you doing the work or are you just making yourself sit at your laptop for 12 hours a day because that's the model that worked before. And talking about actions, then when things wouldn't work out, I was like, well, I'm just not manifesting the clients correctly. So if I sit here and I just meditate more, but I would be so exhausted that I would sit to meditate and within like three minutes, like fall into narcolepsy and like wake up an hour later on the couch. Well, like that was a great nap, but all right. Check my email. Well, clearly I took this time to manifest, air quotes. Let's see if I have any client applications. Nope, still nothing. But there's a whole bunch of bills that just came in. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I remember someone saying to me a while ago, like, I've been manifesting X, Y, and Z for the last six months. Why isn't it here? And I said, what, what have you been doing? And they said, what do you mean? And, like, and I was like, well, if you had actually been manifesting a different intentional reality you would have been doing many different like actions reactions mental processes and stuff during the day like what's been different about your life in the last six months turns out they hadn't changed anything they just decided it would be really nice to have that and then spent six months lamenting the fact that they didn't yeah. and like you can't like if you're either being the person lamenting the fact that they don't have it or you're being the person with it but you can't be both of those people at the same time. You've picked an identity, you've gone with it, and your reality is reflecting that perfectly. You're not manifesting wrong. You're getting exactly what, like the reflection of exactly what you're putting out. And I think that's the part that can be really difficult. That's what we said at the start, is that if you if you recognize your own power here, then you got to be honest with yourself about the fact that you let yourself sink into a lot of stories that really don't serve you because they were comfortable or gratifying at the time. Yeah, I, well, it, for anybody listening right now, first of all, whose mind is just spinning going, well, this all sounds really complicated and I'm never gonna figure it out. Sarah and I are gonna make an invitation here in just a moment, we'll tell you about something cool where you can actually spend two days working with us both with a at-home virtual retreat. But I wanna go back to one more point that I think is that we're doing a disservice if we don't talk about this. And it falls in line with the actions, but actions being aligned with the identity. There are so many people that are like, uh, Sarah, Dan, well, if I had half a million dollars in the bank, of course I would just go out and buy whatever I wanted. 
right? So I am manifesting by the fact that uh, I don't have all that money, but payday is here and I am behaving like the person who is rich. So therefore I'm spending my entire paycheck within the first 72 hours. Yeah, <laughs> And this I is how this. I am manifesting my wealth. Can yeah. we can we talk for a second about why that is such a poor life strategy and why you're not really manifesting? Yeah, well, first of all, everybody's heard the expression act as if, right? Because this is yeah. like the key component to manifestation. But what they don't realize is that act as if as an expression refers to your emotional state, not to your tasks. It's actually, it's this one cracks me up the most because the first time I was introduced to it, it was several years ago and I was with a private client. And she said, well, if I had all of that money, I'd be in the mall buying clothes and drinking champagne. And I was like, how many millionaires do you see in the mall just dumping their wealth on clothes and champagne? Like that's actually, that is not the action of a wealthy person. That is the action of an impoverished person who does not believe the money will last. And so they got to burn it really quickly. If you find yourself dumping everything in your account, two things are happening. One, you're trying to calibrate back to struggle because you will be struggling once you've got no resources. We live in a world that moves on this. You need those resources. But also you're being the person who doesn't fundamentally believe that you're always going to have that much money. If your first instinct is to use it, like I actually, when I started studying this, I recognized this behavior in the adults that I grew up with. Like I remember I have these memories of any time money came in due to, you know, whether it was gifted from a parent or an inheritance or whether it was, you know, there was a, a divorce settlement or something. The person who was the most impoverished would run out and get everything they wanted. Right. And so we ended up with random things in the house, you know, like leather jackets and TVs with video cassette recorders built in and just stuff that we, you know, we needed food more than that, to be honest. But like that was there was this idea. Fundamental idea is I don't always have this money, so I better enjoy it while I've got it. Truly wealthy people that don't have a scarcity mindset don't think for a second that this money won't be there tomorrow. They know it's going to be there forever. So there is no running out and buying all the things they've all wanted in the first 24 hours. They're like, no, I can always get whatever I want. So actually their attitude to money is a sort of a, a calmness without any type of franticness. It's more associated with planning about ways to do really cool stuff, right? So this, this idea of running out and dumping your paycheck, that is literally... That's your ego co-opting the act as a principle to make sure that you stay stuck in your scarcity because what's going to happen after you do that is you're going to say, see, see, it doesn't work for me. It's all a lie, right? I quit my job and I went and did this and no clients came. All the people that said that I should go after my dreams were liars, right? This is, this is exactly how the ego gets you back to it. I mean, all the egoic stuff is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Anything your fear voice tells you is designed to create the thing you're afraid of. Because as long as you're afraid of it happening, you'll keep taking actions that steer you back to it. And then you always listen to the ego because it was always right. So to recap, the three steps that are going to move you from being in a place of wishing to manifesting anything you desire. Number one, you have to understand the identity that you have, which is difficult because that's a subconscious thing for many people. But with support, you can get clear on the models of reality that are driving your life. Number two, we got to move into managing your emotional reactions and retraining your nervous system to behave differently uh, when things aren't going your way. And then number three, once we do that, then we take the aligned action that moves you forward in the direction of the life you want, which is so interesting, Sarah, because you and I have a big announcement to make. 
<laughs> Absolutely, because this is something that we really believe in and something we know makes a huge difference. And the thing is, I mean, I don't know about you, Dan, but for me, watching people take action where they don't, they either don't know what the concept of aligned action is, but also they haven't done the reprogramming work to precede it. So it's sort of like blind action. It's just like they're just burning time and money to doing something that's effectively going to keep them stuck in their own loop. So it's a real passion project for me to actually dig in and, and like do that kind of reprogramming with people and help them see the rules that their reality is complying with. So I'm really excited to offer this. So yeah, you have an opportunity to work with two high-level coaches for a two-day at-home immersive retreat. You're going to have both Sarah and I as your coaches for two days. Day one, uh, Miss Sarah is taking the lead. You're going to do deep dive, subconscious deprogramming with people. Can you talk a little bit about how you can help them in this uh, day one of the session, uncover those models of reality that are driving their life? Yeah, absolutely. Something I see in the personal development world a lot that I think is misguided is this uh, intense focus on just shifting beliefs and doing affirmations around um, you know, what you would like to believe without recognizing that those beliefs exist for a reason, right? Like these are not arbitrary. Your system is latched onto these ideas for a reason. And I kind of think of it like the branches of a tree, right? You can prune back those branches all you want, but if you haven't disabled the fuel source, the roots and the trunk and the way that nutrients are getting up, they're always going to grow back, right? So a lot of people have had trouble with affirmations, you know, just repeating to themselves over and over again, I have a lot of money, I'm always in demand, I'm always, you know, I'm always welcome everywhere, all the rest of it. And they wonder why it doesn't stick. And it's because your system has a vested interest in holding the beliefs that protect your underlying coding. So for me, the most important thing to get into is actually let's dig deeper. Let's get beneath the beliefs because those beliefs serve a purpose and you will have them until you don't need them anymore. And look at the actual coding, the actual programming, the actual models of reality that are controlling what beliefs you have and why. And then, of course, all of the actions that you're taking subconsciously. We also mentioned earlier that the personality from a science perspective is really not a thing. It's not something that we're born with or mm -hmm. is part of our DNA. It's a series of coping mechanisms. So over this course of the first day, not only... Are you going to help people identify those subconscious models of reality? It's really about detaching from what you perceive your personality to be so you can understand who you truly are. Yeah, absolutely. I call it loosening the screws because if you can start to recognize that these that there are choices involved, that there is logic involved in what you chose and why, and that there is actually a quite a complex network of behaviors and thoughts and beliefs all tying into how you get through the day. If you can start to actually like separate from that, start to see it objectively, get a bit of a bird's eye view on the structure that you currently think of as yourself, it's a lot easier to sort of move it to one side and take a more intentional and strategic view of, okay, but what would actually get me what I truly want? And then day two, as we move into that here in our VIP immersion experience, uh, I'm going to be taking the lead because once we uh, destroy all the things that aren't working, <laughs> we got to rebuild, right? So yeah. my work will be helping you imagine new goals that are truly aligned with this identity that you're becoming. Plus, we're going to create a structure and an implementation map so that you actually start behaving as that person, including managing your emotional reactions, right? And also uh, just helping you come up with very specific action steps that you can move toward that'll help you get the thing that you want faster. So this day two is really about cementing those new neural pathways so that people can move forward and do it quickly. 
Mm, super important. I think a lot of people have goals that are sort of aligned with what their subconscious thinks that you have to have in order to survive. And you wonder why that you're, you're not personally very motivated to do them. You know, many people say, I know what I got to do, but I, but I just have to do it. If you haven't done it up until now, I want to really introduce people to the idea that this is not to your detriment. This is not a judgment on you. If you haven't done it up until now, there will be a good reason. Right? There's either a reason you're not able to take action on it because your system believes that it is a threat or it's like maybe it's an impotent goal. Maybe it's something that your system doesn't act like that, that you with your rational adult brain doesn't actually want. And so it's hard to get excited about it. It's hard to get behind it. If you're not waking up every day with a legitimate pull towards it, it's really worth re uh, investigating where that goal even came from um, because I teach a lot on personally on redefining success because the bottom line is it, like what what society tells us we should be going after is not what the same thing as our intuition is telling us and if there's a misalignment there you're going to waste a lot of time just chasing after things that really aren't going to fulfill you and are not exciting on the way anyway so i know there's somebody out there who would love to make this transition who would love to stop reacting to all the news of the world and lockdowns and delta variants and would like to take control and just be that person that you know you're meant to be. Uh, Sarah and I are going to help you. Two-day deep dive immersion plus, Sarah, for the first three people who sign up for this package, you can get all the info at my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. Uh, we're offering $3,000 in bonuses. They're going to get 30 days bonus access to you and I on voice messaging. So it's Dan and Sarah on demand. And we're also going to throw in a bonus 60-minute coaching at the end of 30 days just to keep you aligned and that there's accountability and, and keep you on track as you're moving in that new direction. And also likely some celebrations. That'd be great to yeah. hear what you did yeah. with that information, what you did with the support and actually, you know, a few, few tweaks and adjustments and what you learned and then how can we use that as well. So you can pay in full or you can get started for a down payment of $997 and we'll put you on a payment plan after that. All the info, if you'd like to work with us directly for two days, you can go to creativesoulcoaching.net. Sarah Riley, so good to have you back on the podcast. Where do people find you on the socials? On the socials, I am Sarah Riley coaching on everything. That's Sarah with an H. Riley is R-E-I-L-L-Y. I'm pretty sure everyone can spell coaching. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. I don't use my Facebook page that much. Facebook has become a very interesting place in the last couple of years. <laughs> I personally find Instagram is uh, a little bit more joyful for me personally. Um, and sarahreillycoaching.com if you want to have a look at the programs that I offer as well. Yeah, and you'll never find either of us on TikTok because we don't, we're <laughs> terrible dancers, quite honestly. That, I think Nobody wants to watch old. me dancing and pointing to text of how to change your life. Nobody. Nah, no, nah, no one is reaching mm -hmm. out to me about that. I would love to say, you know, a lot of you have really asked like in my DMs for me to do this. No, none of you have. Literally no one has said, hey, you should get on TikTok. That I would be lying. <laughs> Sarah, always a pleasure. So excited that we're going to be able to just, I always like working on projects with you anyway. We've done it in the past. I know there's going to be a huge transformation for the people who say yes. And uh, I appreciate your time. Amazing. I had such a good time. Thanks for having me back. Sarah dropped so many knowledge bombs every time she cracks the mic. We had a great time coaching together in my Amplified Monthly Membership Program back in July. I want you to think about that, though. You know, are you truly showing up in life as the person who has the money, the influence, the relationship, or is there part of you that is still acting as the person 
who wants to have it. That example she always shares about you know, going out and blowing all your money and drinking champagne at the mall is actually a poverty mindset. And every time she explains that, it just sort of makes my mind blow up, right? Because <laughs> it's so counterintuitive to what most of us believe. But if you are looking to step up into a new identity, if you're ready to create more income, more love, uh, a more passionate purposeful career. We've got you. We are calling it the Quantum Shift two-day VIP coaching experience. You can go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. You can reserve your spot. There's opportunities there to pay in full, or you can do it in monthly installments. All the info is there, creativesoulcoaching.net slash quantum shift for all the info. If you love the episode, don't forget, let us know about it, screenshot it, upload it to Instagram, tag Sarah at Sarah Riley Coaching, tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Be sure to let us know your biggest takeaways. And if you're brand new to the podcast, give us a follow for more inspiration in the coming weeks. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here. It is an honor to serve you. And don't forget, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity and turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.